Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the first spring training episode of 2021 of Swings and Mishes. I am your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by the man behind the name Swings and Mishes, Craig Mish. Craig, how you doing now that spring training is upon us? Oh, I'd be doing a lot better being there, Jeremy. But <laughs> oh man, we gotta deal. We gotta deal with the with the adversity that there is. I certainly understand the thinking behind it. My first time not being at the first day of spring training in a long, long time. But I can mm. say that uh, the Marlins, in particular, are doing a great job of making a lot of the folks available to us via the Zoom the Zoom calls. I hope next week that I can be in Jupiter, and I hope that I'll be able to go to some games too. I would tell you that. From a fan's perspective, I know we have a lot of fans that listen. I was able to purchase tickets to mm. Roger Dean Stadium to see two Marlins Cardinals games on Friday. I, I bought two different pods of tickets huh. and in uh, on the Marlins side. And uh, I'll be going to two games with my son. Um, and so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. Well, that's awesome. And, and you know, a peek behind the curtain uh, for the people listening. You and I have been recording these podcasts via Zoom for now 101 episodes. I mean, we recorded all but I think one via Zoom. This is the first time where it feels sort of strange. And it's because I know we're supposed to be at spring training today. So it is it is kind of a weird feeling not being there. But we have a pretty jam-packed episode to bring all of you today. Um, after the break, you will hear uh, an interview f- with Adam Duvall. Um, but I think that's actually the right place for us to start is with the signing of Adam Duvall. We have yet to talk about that here on Swings and Mishes. Uh, Duvall, the former Atlanta Brave, signs with the Miami Marlins. It's a one year with a mutual option, um, which is a really creative contract that the Marlins are able to work up with Duvall. Craig, what are your initial thoughts on the Duvall signing and what that means for players like Garrett Cooper and, and other guys across the roster? Well, first of all, the Duval signing was really interesting because I had heard that the Marlins were interested in him about a month ago, mm. and then things had kind of gone quiet. Uh, Miami had essentially a choice along the lines of making a trade for Red Sox outfielder Andrew Benatendi or signing Duval. It's kind of what it came down to, and, and you may think that those two things are not correlated, but I really do feel that they were. Once they decided to not give up the player for Benatendi, they then pivoted, got a lot stronger and a lot more financially secure on the deal with Adam Duvall, which is essentially worth $5 million, but can be worth more provided they pick up his option for 2021. It's a good signing. It's a power bat. They needed more power in the lineup for sure. And I think that he'll fare extremely well, whether it is against the Marlins, the Braves, or anybody else. He is a 30 home run bat with 500 plate appearances. He did it with Cincinnati. He, he was very good with Atlanta. And I think that giving 140 games, 150 games in the outfield, Jeremy, I think he's going to do it in Miami. I think he's going to yep. lead the team in home runs in 2021. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it is a curious signing because they really essentially are, are telling us that Garrett Cooper more or less is not going to be an outfielder. And with Jesus Aguilar at first base or Cooper at first base, it would seem to me that there's going to be someone in that lineup that's not going to be playing on opening day. And there's always, there's also someone in that lineup that's not going to be playing every day. So that's going to have to be something that we watch as time goes on. It would seem to me they'd be better served to move either Cooper or Aguilar somewhere else. But for the time being, they like the depth that they have there and, uh, they you know, have a great pinch hitting option at the end of games too to potentially hit a three run home run with either one of yeah. those two players. 
But I, I do think that Miami planned on having the designated hitter. And then when there was no designated hitter, they were kind of caught here a little bit. I know mm -hmm. that when I asked Kim Ming that question, she uh, sort of said that they acted just independently as to whether or not there would be a DH or not. But I, I certainly don't think Miami would have picked up Jesus Aguilar's option for this year had they known there was no DH. They could have declined it and then tried to bring him back at a later time. But uh, I thought there'd be a DH. Most people thought there would be a DH. I don't fault the Marlins for that. But I would be very curious on opening day if the roster looks like it looked right now. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting with the DH and that obviously this roster would be pretty perfectly constructed if the DH was there. But, you know, Duvall plays some left field as well. You wonder if he'll play left on days when there's lefties and they'll take Dickerson out of the lineup. And that's a way to sort of manage things between the Cooper, Aguiar, Duvall sort of threesome over there. But all of a sudden, a lot of power in that lineup. You know, you mentioned Ben Attendee. Um, your column in the Miami Herald, I think it was last week, mentioned that the Marlins had a few different trades that they could have executed um, that ultimately they didn't pull the trigger. Is there any extra information you could pro provide for us here on those trades? Yeah, the, the trades are really interesting because a lot of teams, and you even saw it in the trade for, for Floro, is that a lot of teams have been really targeting their 2020 and 2019 draft picks. And, and I don't know if this is a league-wide thing or it's just a Marlins thing, but every team that I, that I have association with or I've spoken to sources really is, is after those guys. And, yeah. and by the way, not so much 2017, 2018. It's just the last two years of draft. So uh, kudos to uh, DJ Spillick and his staff for, for, for the draft because if these are the targets, something must be going right there. Clearly. At least that's what it appears to be, at least for, um, for me at the surface level here. So, yeah, so the Ben Attendee trade could have easily happened. It was Miami's choice, as we reported in the Herald. And this is kind of the dynamic that is that is interesting because I, I really wasn't sure what to do with this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the company line that I did with the Herald, and I'm going to do it here <laughs> again. Uh, th there will come a time, I believe, where, where, it's, it's, where it's okay to talk about players that could have been traded. But I'm just not sure at this stage specifically to, even though I do know, to talk about players that could have been traded and now they know that they were on the block and then not. I don't know that that right. helps or hurts anyone. I'm not really sure how I feel about that yet. I do promise eventually I will go through the names. But as we had in the Herald, it was a player that was not a uh, guaranteed a starting role on the team that would have went not to Boston, but would have went actually to another uh, ball club um, hmm. that was involved in a three-way trade. So I, I know that I'm not revealing as much as maybe some people want me to, but I do have to protect some sources here on this one, uh, really across the league, trying to dig into what happened on this trade. But I will say this, they could have had Ben Attendee. It was a reasonable trade, by the way, to get Ben Attendee as well, but they went for the proven guy in Adam Duvall. And look, Kansas City took a big shot there with Ben Attendee. There's no guarantee he's going to be good either. Didn't have a good last two years haven't been positive for him, but calculated risk by Kansas City, one that Miami did not want to make. In terms of the other two deals, the Wilson Contreras deal was never close. I can probably tell you guys the names in that one because they asked for uh, Peyton Burdick. They asked for, I believe it was uh, one of their draft picks, Zach McCambly was another name that I didn't mention in the Herald that they were after. I believe Cameron Meisner may have been another one. There may have been four or five guys that they were asking for Man. in this deal. All, like all, like I, like I reported a couple of months ago, all really young guys, really, uh, you know, no big league service time type guys. Mm. And, and that ask is just insane by the Cubs. 
And so in the end, that deal didn't get done. I think those may have been the names, but it's some sort of combination there. And then with the Orioles trade for Anthony Santander, uh, also not close, also another very high draft pick player by Miami over the last couple of years. Miami was not going to do that. They still remain, or they, they were still talking to the Orioles about other things, I think, but that never came to fruition. I would guess that the Marlins and Orioles will make more deals in the future because they've made some and they seem to match up pretty well as far as their front offices. So that's where that went. Dodgers trade is, as you may have read in the Herald, Dodgers were after a different player, draft pick Jake Eater. Miami said no. And it ends up being their fifth round pick, Kyle Hurt. There were also other mm-hmm. variations of that trade from what I understand. But Miami, very, very happy with that one. And uh, and the Curtis trade also with Tampa Bay, although that one is the one that uh, Evan Edwards, another draft pick where they traded. I I, I don't want to say Ed, Evan Edwards is going to be a superstar because I in my heart, I don't think that. But anytime right. the Rays are making a trade <laughs> with you, it's like... Ooh, it's scary. It's like trading with Belichick. <laughs> yeah. Like, who's this guy? You know, like, oh, so uh-huh. you know. I mean, Nick Anderson looks pretty good in Tampa yep. Bay. You know, like uh, Jesus Sanchez. What's he done? You know, uh-huh. so I I do get a little nervous dealing with Tampa Bay, but <laughs> Curtis was really good for them as well. I hope that summarizes all of the trades. And I'm on social media, of course, at Craig Mish. You can ask me anything. If I can answer it, I will. Yeah, we've seen that. Craig's been uh, replying to lots of people lately. I, I love it. I love going into those replies and seeing that's where the real information is. It really uh, is. Uh, it really is. That's really, you guys think you're getting the information when you have the uh, the general tweets to everyone. The real information comes when Craig actually replies to Joe Schmo with 12 followers. Uh, a couple of positions that the Marlins did not make any trades for um, that ultimately are going to uh, sort of have to work themselves out. There's position battles. It's second base and there's catcher. Uh, right now, it does look like Jorge Alfaro will be the guy from everything that Kim Ng, that, that Don Mattingly has said about, about Georgie. And uh, second base, seemingly, I, I asked Don Mattingly in his, in his first presser before spring training, and it did seem like Birdie was a bit out of the conversation in terms of being the everyday guy, that this will come down to Jazz Chisholm and Isan Diaz and their positional battle at second base. So, Craig, what are your thoughts about the second base and catcher positions as we head into the spring? Sure. I, I think that the goodwill tour for Jorge Alfaro is officially on in Miami. Yep. And of course, what else are they going to say? They're bringing him back. <laughs> They're going to say all the right things. Let's not get too carried away here. They were looking at other catching options in the offseason. They did not start him in the postseason, but he is going to be their starting catcher. Don Mattingly is always going to defend his guys. I am still very skeptical that this will work out long term but Alfaro will open up the season at catcher at second base. I believe jazz Chisholm will win the job. I don't, I don't think that this will be a real competition. Chisholm is a hand picked player by the CEO of the team and Derek Jeter, someone he saw in person at the Arizona fall league. And they heavily scouted and traded Zach gallon for no offense to Isan Diaz, but hasn't really shown much outside of his first game. And, you know, in, in his first big league game, I know he opted out for personal reasons last year. I don't believe that that will or should be held against him, but I I think Jazz is the guy at second base for them to start the season. And what he does is anybody's guess at this point, but uh, look, I, I mean, there certainly could be a chance that Isan could make the team too, and maybe they could platoon yeah. that spot a little bit. I would, it wouldn't shock me, but I, I, I really think Jazz Chisholm is, is going to be the guy at second base. 
Yeah, in particular, when you hear the Marlins talk about the style of play they want to have and be aggressive and on the bases and everything, Jazz just does seem to fit. If if he turns into the player that that uh, is anticipated, he seems to fit that mold. But let's talk about the Marlins pitching because that really is their calling card. If the Marlins are going to have success, it will be because of their pitching. We'll start with the starters. We'll move to the relievers. Uh, the big thing that seemed to kind of get get going on social media was the idea of a six-man rotation when Don Mattingly and Kim Ang didn't necessarily reject that idea. We do know that the Marlins will be keeping an eye on innings for their young starters. So what are, what are all of your thoughts in regard to the starting rotation uh, for the Miami Marlins as we enter the spring? There, and there's all sorts of different young guys with intriguing angles. Yeah, the first two are very strong. Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez may be the strongest one-two most underrated combination in baseball. I think yep. both can be fantastic this year. Yep. And, I, and I don't even worry about innings with them at all. I think they're both going to be great. I think they're poised to maybe both be all-stars this year. Love mm. both of those pitchers. Beyond that, you, I, I think that most teams beyond their one and two have some <laughs> questions. And I think that Miami's in the same boat. Eliezer Hernandez, I think, will get another opportunity to – be in the rotation and I think of course Trevor Rogers being left-handed gives him a leg up over some others and showed some flashes last year I would I would definitely I would guess Rogers is not going to be a 180 inning guy this year but I I think that 100 innings 120 could work for him Uh, Hernandez the same and then of course Sixto Sanchez is going to be in the rotation although nothing is given and we understand that and he is now just reporting to Jupiter he's not very far behind at all I would expect him to make one of the first five starts of the season for the Marlins. And I would think that he's probably a full go to make 25 starts in in 2021. So that's the way the rotation shakes up. It's very strong. It's the strong point of the team without a doubt. They also have Braxton Garrett and Nick Neidert waiting to potentially make starts in uh, coming out of triple a. And unfortunately we got the news that Edward Cabrera, who would have been slated to start at triple a has a biceps issue and a second setback in two years. So unfortunately, we'll have to monitor that. But uh, Edward Cabrera has to be of some concern, considering he's arguably either their best or close to their best pitching prospect. I would not expect to see him in the big leagues at the very least until summertime or even mm-hmm. later than that. So um, that that was some bad news to uh, to start the spring for sure. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing considering the expectations for Cabrera and where he sits on all of those top prospect lists alongside Sixto Sanchez and even Max Meyer. Uh, but when you look to the bullpen, we talked about Bass last time, but it's Bass, Simber, Curtis, Floro, all these names being added to the Marlins bullpen seemingly, you know, at a, at a pretty decent rate. Um, bullpen going to be better this year or worse? Than, than last season when you talk about the way that things are pieced together. Obviously, you imagine it'll be better because of all of these names being added. It was pretty good last year, surprisingly, given everything that it happened. Was. It was. Statistically, it was good. It was. Yeah, it was very surprising when they brought in all those guys from COVID uh, with the COVID protocols that they had to use Hoyt and the Smiths mm-hmm. and, and all those, and Flyer yeah, the they traded for and all those guys. They actually were okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I, I think the bullpen will be pieced together better. You never know how these things can go, but they definitely are completely changing the leverage guys, it feels like, with Floro and Simber and and Curtis and, and Bass and then having Yimi Garcia there as well. But I think the Marlins did a very smart thing and not hitch their wagon to Yimi Garcia in the ninth inning because yep. he has no experience doing that. And he may be the long-term closer, but for the short term, they needed somebody but reliable and they got Anthony Bass. 
And I'm very, very proud of Don Mattingly for not coming out and saying the closer situation is going to have to be worked out and we may use multiple guys because I've called this dude on it four years in a row. Yep. He doesn't use multiple guys. He uses one. And finally, he did not say <laughs> that to start the season. He gave some options. I think he's been yeah. listening to my podcast, Donnie. And if you are, <laughs> well done. We uh, never believed you before. So we're not going to start now. That's great. It's going to be Anthony Bass. He's going to get the same opportunities at the start of the season. Of course, if he's healthy, that's mm-hmm. the big part of this. He was very good last year with Toronto and save opportunities. And he's going to be the first one out of the gate for Miami. He will be the closer. And then the other names that you mentioned absolutely could be shifted in different roles that I could see, but right. the ninth inning Donnie's gone with his one guy. He will continue. It will be Bass. Yeah. Those late inning leverage situations where even guys like Richard Blyer were performing in them last year. And maybe, you know, we'll get another shot this year, but it's, it, it's good to hear uh, Don Mattingly talk about that, that closer role. That's when you know that uh, baseball is back. Craig, right. any final thoughts before we wrap up? Any little extra tidbits of information or any sort of thoughts on spring training as we head into things here in 2021? Yeah, just uh, I appreciate the support for people with me doing the Herald stuff and, and working with them, understanding we're keeping swings and misses going and we're going to be yep. bigger and better even than the, we were last year. We just continue to do great things here. We'll have our podcast rolling as well. I know Jeremy's got his hands full with the Heat and the Panthers, but we'll continue <laughs> to produce these on a weekly basis. Yep. Uh, in terms of coverage for us in person, we know that that's limited. So our conversations will be through Swings and Mishes and some of the Zoom conversations uh, digitally. We will bring those to you and, and have guests every week here on the show when we do the program as well. And then the other part of this is that a little bit of a farewell, because I do think that by the time this podcast is over, over the next day or two, uh, Harold Ramirez is going to be part of a new mm. organization. And he was all a very, very nice person. And yeah. you know, certainly just you know, kind of the odd man out in that outfield. I, I think that Harold on the Giants or on the Pirates or on the Tigers or, or mm-hmm. somewhere where, where it's not as crowded could definitely get more of an opportunity. I know there are a lot of people out there on social media. Why not cut Lewis Brinson or why not cut Magnus Sierra or Sierra or do something else like that? And you know what? You can make arguments toward that as well. But the Marlins had to make what they felt was the best choice. This is the choice they made. But I can say personally that in my limited interactions over the last couple of years, Harold Ramirez was always extremely accommodating and a very nice individual. And I wish him nothing but the best. An understandable fan favorite uh, who, while didn't get a ton of at-bats as a Miami Marlin, but I think will be a fan favorite for Marlins fans for a long time. He played the game really, really hard. Uh, Fans, thank you for listening to this episode of Swings and Mishes. We are very excited. Uh, to to bring everything to you here in 2021. And I know we will have all sorts of new coverage, some new uh, folks, you know, running in with us uh, here at Swings and Mishes. And I know that as we head into this 2021 season, um, the Marlins are, are one of the more intriguing storylines that you can find uh, in the NL East. So looking forward to seeing everything that is in store for the Miami Marlins this season. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review, and all the other things you're supposed to do with a podcast. And please enjoy this interview with new Marlins outfielder, Adam Duvall. And here we are on this edition of Swings and Mishes, and our special guest today is new outfielder from the Miami Marlins, Adam Duvall, joins us here on the program and our first introduction to Adam. Adam, thanks for coming on the podcast, Swings and Mishes. How's everything going? It's going good. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Well, let's uh, let's rewind a little bit here and, and kind of go through your offseason, if you wouldn't mind, Adam, for a minute. I know that it's always a challenge these days in free agency. Uh, did you did you feel that this offseason was a challenge for you trying to pick where you wanted to go? And how did things come to fruition with you signing with the Marlins? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, first first thing was just uh, getting getting healthy uh, into the offseason and, and getting my body right. And, uh, you know, trying to control the things that I could control. And that was, uh, you know, getting my baseball work in and getting my body right. And, uh, you know, things didn't – things kind of didn't get going until uh, I would say January or so. And then, uh, as you could see, guys started to sign and, and uh, you know, the free agent market started to, to get going a little bit. Uh you know, and here we are right now, and, and I'm excited going into spring training and, and uh, ready to get this season going. Well, when did you know that Miami was a real possibility for you? Because we were kind, we're kind of understanding, it was my understanding, too, that this sort of all came together pretty quickly toward the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, I, I knew that uh, they showed some interest, but, you know, things didn't start heating up until – probably three or four days before I actually signed. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think I saw it as a good fit for me and my family. And, and, you know, like I said, once it, once it started getting going and we started going back and forth and, and, uh, you know, getting to know one another more, uh, as far as from the team's, uh, side, my side, uh, you know, I was excited. I was excited to, uh, get the deal done. Yeah. And, and Adam, how, how much of the club do you know? I know that you're headed to South Florida now and, and headed to Jupiter. And, and I know next week pitchers and catchers are going to report. Uh, I, I know you know them from the other side of the field, Adam, because boy, they could not get you out here for a couple of years. And, <laughs> and if you can't, and I suppose that's one thing is Miami's eliminating that from the conversation. I mean, you've been mashed them over and over again. I guess now you get to do it uh, for the Marlins, how, mu- how much do you know about the organization and the players? Well, uh, I've, I've only played with a couple of guys on the team. Um, but, you know, obviously being in the same division for several years, uh, you know, I, I've come accustomed to, uh, you know, everybody on the team and, and kind of watch them grow and watch them, you know, become a playoff team and, and you know, it was it was always fun playing against them because it was I really respected the way they played the game and how hard they played and, and the way they ran the bases, the way they, uh, you know, had the, the fundamentals down. And, you know, it was fun to watch from the other side and, and fun to compete against. So, like I said, I'm excited to uh, be on their side and, and join the club. Where, where do you feel most comfortable, Adam, in the outfield? I, I know that this club, it looks like they have you penciled to be the opening day right fielder. Uh, Corey Dickerson has been Miami's left fielder. I know you played quite a bit of left field in Cincinnati and, and also with Atlanta. Do you feel just as comfortable in right? Yeah, I mean, obviously I've, I've played more uh, left in my career, so that would be probably my most comfortable position. But uh, I've played I've played right field with Atlanta and some with Cincinnati. So, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know, it's just across the diamond. And uh, I feel I feel completely fine in right field and uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, to be to being out there. 
Hey, Adam, it's Jeremy here. Uh, we've gotten to know your game a little bit. As you just mentioned, you've played in this division uh, for the last several years. But for the fans who, who don't know that much about you, can I get one thing that they can expect from you on the field consistently day in and day out? And can we get one thing that fans might not know about you off the field that they might find interesting? Yeah, uh, you know, my biggest thing uh, for me is, number one, to stay healthy so I can be penciled in and, and uh, be relied on, you know, every single day. Number two is uh, I, pride, I pride myself in hitting for power and driving in runs. So uh, that's, you know, that's, that's one of my goals going into the season every year is, is to be a run producer and be a bat that, that can hopefully change a game. Uh, with one swing. So I think that's what, uh, you, you know, that's kind of what I'm known for. Um, and then, you know, something, something that I've been working on this off season is, is uh, having a little more plate discipline and, and try to be a better overall hitter. Uh, I, I hit for a lot of power. So my, my launch angle is pretty high. Uh, right, you know, throughout mm -hmm. my career. So I'm working on I'm working on lowering that just a tad so that hopefully I can get more hits and, and you know, become a more consistent hitter that way. And, and you know, so hopefully, uh, hopefully I can be able to uh, to do that. Adam, uh, last season was, was a challenging one, I, I think, on a number of different levels you had arguably as good a 60 game stretch of any of any player in baseball last year you were fantastic with the Braves fantastic in the postseason but I, I don't know that a lot of people are familiar with your medical condition and what really were the chances that you were not going to play at all last year I, I saw several times during the year you being quoted as saying how careful you were having to be when you were playing in the big leagues last year yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, obviously it was all new to us and we didn't really know uh, how it was going to affect uh, people with underlying conditions and, and being type one diabetic. Uh, I felt I did have to take, uh, you know, take special precautions and, um, you know, I guess be mature about the whole situation and be be cautious of the fact that you know, I'm not exactly sure how my body would react if I got it. So, uh, you know, I was, I was very careful and, and, um, uh, you know, I, I chose to, I ch obviously chose to play the season and I'm, I'm really glad I did because, uh, while it was, it was very unique and different from most seasons, it was also a pleasure to, uh, be a part of and, and, uh, you know, get through the season the way, the way we did. Yeah. Um, and, and Adam, certainly that you should be commended for that. I mean, a lot of, a lot of players you know, chose to play. Some chose not to play. Everybody has to make their own individual decisions. Uh, I suppose that, that I would end with this in, in terms of your contract, Adam, and I know that it's more of a question potentially for your agent, but inevitably you're the one that had to make the decision. Uh, this was one of the more creative contracts I thought of the off season where basically uh, there is a, a chance that you could return to Miami in, in 2021, but it sort of left the door open also for you if you end up having a big season to potentially go somewhere else. So I, what, what was kind of the thinking there? Because I know that it was pretty creative on this one-year deal with a one-year option. 
Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think it was a uh, it was a culmination of where where the Marlins wanted to be and where we wanted to be, and um, inevitably, yeah, we left the door open for both sides to uh, you know to say yes or say no, and um, you know, with that being said, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can we can make a splash this year, and and things can can look good for next year, and then you know uh, we can we can continue that. So. But I, yeah, I think I think that that'll be a question more so at the end of the season uh, between between them and 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 our side, and uh, we'll have to make that you know down the road. All right. Well, uh, Adam, safe travels to Jupiter, Florida, and I know that uh, although we're not the media not allowed yet, I know very soon we will be. So look forward to seeing you. And once again, thank you for spending a few minutes with us here on the Swings and Mishes podcast, and we look forward to seeing you in camp real soon. Okay. Yeah, you got it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Adam.